Hey, this is Joe Thomas of the division rival Cleveland Browns, and you're listening to the SteelerNation.com podcast. Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Stryker, and with me, it's fellow SteelerNation.com sports writer, Jordan DeFigio. Jordan, how you feeling? How you dealing after this uh, incredible, oh. incredible loss? Mm, about as good as I could be, I think, because I really, I really wasn't expecting us to win. I think it was a gut feeling, but that was, yeah, it was so much worse though than I ever could have anticipated it being everything that could go wrong did. And then some, so it's been, it's been a couple days of, I feel like emotional recovery. Well, I know they're saying that they hear your sister right here on uh, Twitter. So it's like, I, I haven't had, I've been through a lot of the bad losses. I've been through the San Diego loss in, in uh, 94. Mm. Of course, most recently, the AFC Championship loss in 17. Um, losing to Denver after getting um, AB's head knocked off the week before from that Cincinnati. Yeah. I think that was a 14 or something like that. But uh, this one would be one of the worst, to tell you the truth. But we are just never in the game. It's Mm-mm. I, I just did a as the game turns and it was the first as the game turns where I said the game turned on the first snap of the game <laughs> it's and that's never happened for the Steelers and, you know you can argue that the game turned when they walked out of the tunnel but they at least had one chance to take a lead that game yeah and that was the opening kickoff uh-huh and it really just all went downhill from yeah. that that point on that was just I don't even have words for how bad it was. Yeah, seriously, it was like quicksand. Yeah, Johnny Utah called it quicksand in the uh, the movie The Replacements. Um, Mm. (laughs) They're saying the coin tosses would change the game too. Yeah, we had to start on offense. Saying that the coin toss is definitely a spot where the game changed. Yeah, oh my God. Anytime we had to start on offense this year, we were already playing from behind. So yeah, that's the thing. So yeah, it's it's crazy because – this also goes down to one of our worst failures on an opening drive because it only took one snap. I'm surprised that Pouncey was able to get it all the way to the end zone and have he ben launched and, it. Yeah. And, and Ben and Connor just kind of stared at it. Like Ben was like, Connor, you get it. And Connor's like, uh, okay. And he kind of like went down for it and kind of pushed it out. And the worst of all possible things could mm-hmm. happen in that situation, which is the other team gets seven points without even having to do anything. So And I think that, yeah, that was what made it even more painful because if it had just been a bad snap, that's one thing because that happens even with pro bulk. Yeah, it's fine. But it was the fact that Ben and Connor both collectively looked so confused and bewildered and looked like they just had no idea what to do that. I was like, this is not a good indication of where this team is and yeah. it's going to get worse from here. Yep. And it, like you're saying, it's tough to win when you're spotting the other team, seven points on the first snap and mm-hmm. the next drive then was seven more plays and Ben ends up throwing an interception, which three plays later, we're down 14, nothing with five minutes to go in the game is this was like one of those excellent. Yeah. We, we agree with that. Um, this is one of those just instances where you're down 14, nothing with five minutes to go. You're like, okay, it's still really early in the game. They can still come back. Then they have a punt. Cleveland goes down, scores another touchdown, another Mm -hmm. interception, another touchdown. You're down 28, nothing before your offense even moves the football. And 
you know, in that point, I'm like, well, it's still early. You know, there's a rule of thumb. And I love this guy. He used to be a writer uh, for both the NFL.com and ESPN.com. Guy was named uh, Greg Easterbrook, wrote uh, Tuesday morning quarterback. But one of his postulates was always, no matter how badly you get down in the first half, you can always recover in the second half because you have the same amount of time to score. And the other team's probably going to be playing a lot more conservatively mm-hmm. uh, defensively to allow you to move the football, which almost happened when I mean, we had some instances. We saw that we were moving the football. We were down by 11 or 12 points and Nelson had a shot when his receiver fell down. But unfortunately mm-hmm. that ball was not accurate and was thrown way too hard. And Nelson couldn't get both hands on it. Cause that would have, brought it down to a field goal essentially um, yeah. at, at that point. And that would have been, you know, anybody's game at that moment. And that was an exciting ride up until that point pretty mm-hmm. much, because then we had the, the other turning moment, which was the fourth and one call at midfield. And I'd like yeah. to get your uh, thoughts on that first Jordan. I mean, it's fourth and one we drive. I think we just had touchdowns on the two previous drives or possibly three previous drives mm-hmm. midfield. Uh, what are your, what's your take on that fourth and one? I have a lot of thoughts on it. Great. The the first and foremost thing, or I guess thought that I have, like that is just the epitome of playing scared, basically. You what do you have to lose at this point? So that's incredibly frustrating that they yeah. just kind of at face value mm-hmm. were communicating we don't want to get too risky. What, what are you trying to avoid here? You're losing, you're losing to the Browns and your offense has momentum. Yes. And there were so many times throughout the regular season where we saw the defense just get tired and deflated because the offense wasn't doing anything. And they just sucked the air out of the, the say, like they just completely knocked the defense off their rhythm and our defense was not playing well the other night. Yeah. So yeah. that try to keep the ball on all yeah. Yeah, if you like dig a little bit deeper mm-hmm. into that, the reason it frustrates me the most isn't because it's a you know being afraid of just going for it, but you're communicating we trust our defense to do something that they have not yet done all night. Yeah. Because they were not stopping the Browns offense. It wasn't until the Browns started playing way more conservatively, but also still throwing the ball. Like they they were had a very weird breakdown there where they could have just started hand, like feeding Chubb the ball, like take it, kill the clock. Like, and they kept throwing it. So they, they really had the opportunity to capitalize on the Browns inexperience in the playoffs. Yep. And they completely whiffed on yeah. it and yeah. ugh, so mad. And that's a great, great <sighs> point because that's something that people don't really realize is when you get up that big, you're, you expect the other team to grind it and start eating clock. And the Browns mm-hmm. were throwing the ball and stopping the clock when, when the yep. Steelers just kept getting the ball right back and right back. They had a three and out. They had one that was like four or five and out. And it's why are they throwing the football? You know, it made no like, sense. Keep, keep the clock going, especially even when we got later in toward end game, they were still throwing the football and still getting some incompletion and still running out of bounds. So yeah, like yeah. It, you're right. Their playoff uh, experience and it, it showed up there in some moments. 
Um, for me, though, I want to give you my take on the fourth and one. And it's kind of like taking it from the, the coaching perspective. And the only inter- the, the one interesting thing that I really liked about this fourth and one was they'd never lined up with their punting team before to force a fourth and one. Mm. And they had a pretty nice setup because they knew the Browns weren't practicing all week. When you're going out on special teams, it's usually your second or third teams. So they're excited. It's a playoff game. It's a big play. They ran like three or four motions out of that punt set to try to pull them all side. And yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great idea to do that. We've never done it. I've never seen us do that ever before. So it was a nice wrinkle to throw in there. The only problem was the Browns were disciplined. They didn't mm-hmm. go offside and that stops your ability to have Ben on the field, to be able to get that first down. So you were going yeah. all in on the fact that they were going to screw up. And at least you get to that point, run a fake with the punt team. I mean, yeah. it's, it, you know, you, you got a yard. You just try to get that, that yard, whether, you know, you try to have Barry throw it. Unfortunately, like there, there isn't a good option. You'd rather have Ben in mm-hmm. there in that situation. They tried to pull them off sides. They wouldn't go off sides. Yep. And, it, and then Worst case scenario, your thoughts are we're going to punt and we're going to pin him. And unfortunately, Barry just had that ball bounce in the end zone by a freaking yard because he almost coughed and kicked it perfectly mm-hmm. uh, right there inside yep. the five. And then they're on the 20, four plays later, they're past where you were when you had the ball. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the way the ball bounces. But you're right. In from another, from meta coaching, you have every time you punt, Every time you don't go for it on fourth and short, you have to be thinking in your mind, do I want to give my opponent the ball back now? Because mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. When you're punting, you're giving the opponent the ball back. So, yep. So, but there's some interesting facts that came up from this game. I mean, Ben still threw for 500 yards, the second 500 yard game in NFL history. The first being Tom Brady losing to the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. Now we have Ben Roethlisberger losing to the Cleveland Browns. And the wild card round, the only two 500 yard games. And now I'm pretty sure that's Ben's third uh, 500 yard game for his career. I think he had two earlier in his career. He happened to win those. You usually don't win 500 yard games. Yeah. Usually trying to come back. And yeah, it's, it's just absolute fourth. Thank you. So he has three in the regular season. He's won all of his 500 yard games in the regular season. So the fourth, thank you very much. Twitterverse Steeler nation always having my back on Twitter. Appreciate Mm. that. Um, so, but an incredible feat. And he also set two records in this game for most completions and most attempts. I think he passed uh, Steve Young for completions and Tom Brady for attempts, but those are all some really, he's also the first quarterback to throw, I think four touchdowns and four interceptions in the same, (laughs) the same playoff game. Um, so just very, very (sighs) strange statistics from Ben who ended up throwing. I mean, we're talking about nearly 70 attempts. 47 for 68, 501 yards, four touchdowns. And unfortunately, yeah, we'd all rather have the win than interceptions to counteract those four touchdowns and putting them in the biggest hole when Pouncey's with another with five. I mean, we're minus five in turnovers. You can't win a game minus five in turnovers. Mm -hmm. No matter how good your coaching is, I mean, the the Browns really had to screw up a lot as well. But yeah, yeah. it is really tough to come back when you, when you're minus five and turnover ratio, it's nearly impossible to win an NFL game. The other team has mm-hmm. to be as dumb as you are bad. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And that didn't happen. That just it was not yeah. the case. Uh, Juju hits a Steelers playoff record 
for 13 receptions. So I didn't know 13 receptions was the playoff record for the Steelers. And do you know who happened to have the record before Juju Smith-Schuster? And it was not a wide receiver. I only know because it's listed right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, pretend you know. <laughs> uh, I know exactly who it is because Fra- I'm a genius. Uh, Franco Harris. Franco Harris with 11 yeah. catches going wow. back to the 70s, I, which is amazing because we had teams with Antonio Brown. We've had teams with Heinz Ward. You'd expect these teams to at least get 10 catches or somebody get have, have a game where they had 10 catches, but no, strange, strange among everything. Juju Smith-Schuster, now the team leader in receptions, beating Franco's record of 11. Deontay Johnson also getting 11 catches. So really that record was hit twice in the same game, one tied by DJ, the other surpassed by, J- by uh, Juju. Um, and then a lot of catches to go around. I mean, when you throw the ball, you know, 47 receptions, say. there's going to be a lot of completions. James Washington with five for 72, Ebron seven for 62, Chase five for 59. Everybody's been really pumping chase too on the Twitter verse side. Yeah. Ben and chase were really connecting well, especially getting the two touchdowns mm-hmm. late in the game. And, you know, it's hopefully it's something about the future of that, of, you know, Claypool and hopefully Ben coming back as well, which we have to talk about is, do you think Ben's coming mm-hmm. back Jordan? I do. I I do for a couple different reasons, because one, you would have to be pretty freaking dense to, to leave a crisp $40 million on the table. Yeah. Um, So I don't think he's going to leave that. Uh, Technically it's it's 23 million because the 40, the other 23 million is part of his packages with his bonuses and his signing bonus. Right. So, right, yeah, right, right. But, but yeah, to turn to say no to 23 million is still. <laughs> it would still, still be still. kind of stupid. Yeah. And I think for him, he's going to want one more opportunity to, to have a better last game than that. And yeah. it's not just that that was a disaster, which it was, but I think that he will probably want to come back to have the opportunity to play his last game in front of fans. And it kind of gives me this whole scenario gives me similar vibes to the 2004. Yeah. 2004 AFC championship against the Patriots when Jerome Bettis was just so devastated that he was saying he was going to retire. And Ben hasn't even said that, but you just get, we all knew that he was nearing the end of his career. So we felt like that could be it, that yeah. he might be done. And then he, in the off season said, I'm going to come back for one more year, whatever happens, it doesn't matter. This is it for me. And I think, I think that it was obviously a different team, but that changed the dynamic in the locker room because it was a known fact. This is his last season and we're going to give it, everything we have for him so that we can give him an opportunity to go out on top. And I think that Ben, because he is so um, confident in himself and, you know, it, it, the athletes and superstars of that caliber have egos and that's fine. It is what it is. Yeah. I think that he, he probably just envisioned it being different for him. And if he still has it in him to play, which I think 
honestly, I think he does. He made some really stupid mistakes, but it does not help that his coaching staff and he, him too, like they have this perception of him that he can just will the team to victory. And that's not the case anymore because he's not 24 anymore. Like you can't just let yourselves dig this pit and then all of a sudden be like, oh, I want to win now. So let me just go sling it around and come back from this 28 point deficit. Like you can't do that. So I think that this could have potential to, to transition into a very solid last season for him. If he and the coaching staff, which hopefully will have some new faces, um, can, can agree to and figure out a better game play and strategy to work around his weaknesses and not freaking highlight them. So for Ben, at least coming back, I think he'll come back as well. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I think he will be back. He's just so much of a competitor. He wanted to win multiple Lombardies, he said, not just one. So, but what would be the scenario? People are asking, what do we do if Ben doesn't come back? So if Mm. Ben doesn't come back out of that 43 or 46 million, 23 of that would come off the books if he was cut, but we'd have a dead cap of 23 million. And Mm. some people are asking about Watson uh, picking him up, which Watson's contract, I was really, really surprised. We can't take Wentz. Wentz's contract is an albatross. There's no way we're taking Wentz. Somebody just asked no Wentz. I like Wentz, but I like Wentz as a free agent, not by picking him up off of yeah. that trade. That, that, that contract sucks. But the mm-hmm. same thing is Deshaun Watson also has a huge contract. It's, it's like a four-year, $156 million contract extension, wow. which happens after next year, really. But, it, but the first 111 are guaranteed. So his next three mm-hmm. years are guaranteed. But next year, he only earns if he is traded, I believe it's close to 11 million that you'd have to pay because we, our team, if we received him, wouldn't be on the hook for any of his signing bonuses. That's all dead cap to the team that moved him because they were the ones that signed him to the signing mm-hmm. bonus. And that goes on their team's cap. So Steelers would only have to find room for 11 million to have Deshaun Watson as their quarterback next year. So financially it could work. But then you're getting to the next season where you're right back in the same spot. It's like mm-hmm. 36 million, 35 million, 40 million. So like they're big contracts. And it's like, well, can we sign TJ Watt? Can we sign Minka Fitzpatrick? Yeah. And that's the decisions you got to start making. So at this point, I don't think I want to take somebody else's project uh, mm-hmm. other than like a cheap uh, backup quarter. Like, I love uh, Jameis Winston. I, I, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I, a lot of people give me, I know you got some guys on Twitter, give me a hard time about Jameis Winston as well, but the guy threw 30 touchdowns. He was young. He still had let, he, he threw 30 interceptions as well, but he still had less interceptions at five years in the league than Peyton Manning did and was mm-hmm. right on par with about all of Peyton Manning's stats at that point before they decided to make him a backup for a $1 million contract and right. not only play behind Drew Brees in New Orleans, but also behind Taysom Hill when they decided to start mm-hmm. him over top of him. So that's the kind of guy where, you know, the potential's there and potentially mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin might be able to bring out the best in a kid like this, um, but he'd be cheap. He'd be a, um, he'd be a million, a million bucks. And I wanted him last year and, you know, we'll see what happens. That's somebody along those lines. Somebody's a lot cheaper mm-hmm. than you could bring in. I still like Rudolph as well. I still think he has potential. He looked good against the Browns. Mm-hmm. He looked better against the Browns last week than Ben did against the, than yep. the, this past game. So 
you know, that's the type of stuff you got to start thinking about mm-hmm. as well. There's yeah. a lot that they're going to have to figure out this off season and it's going to be a busy one. It's probably going to be a dramatic yeah. one. Uh, I have no idea what to anticipate. And unfortunately so much of that hinges on what Ben ends up doing. Yeah. But I think that they have so many, well, okay. That's, that's a bit of a stretch, but the running back position is still a question mark to me connor had a great game yeah he did yeah he's he's coming up on free agency so it's all a matter of is he going to be worth it to pay what he's potentially going to ask are we going to let him walk even if he stays is he going to stay healthy it's still something i don't think benny snell is the answer we haven't seen much of mcfarland at this point so there's that they really need to address the offensive line uh and because that's just a mess at this yeah. point. Uh, and it doesn't really matter what who's behind the offensive line if the offensive line sucks. Yes. So, you've, got, you've got to build. Our offensive line is built to protect Ben Roethlisberger. It is a passing, yeah. pass-blocking offensive line other mm-hmm. than Fa- um, not Foster, my gosh, Dotson, who we just brought in, who was playing Foster's spot there until Filer came back into mm-hmm. the game. And that kind of showed, like, I mean, Dotson was killing it. He was doing mm-hmm. a great job at left at, at left guard and right guard when he filled in for David Castro in that one game. I mean, this yeah. guy is a road grader. He can play. And like we're saying, too, on Twitter, I, I, I heard you guys. Yeah, you got to rebuild this offensive line, make it more, bring in some more road graders, bring in some guys mm-hmm. that can bang, bring in some guys that can Youth. push guys back. Young guys. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. So that's just. I, I wouldn't be surprised aging, yeah. if the Steelers went the whole way across to get a draft, a guard, mm-hmm. a center and a tackle this year. You know, obviously you can yeah. draft the guard a little later. You'll have DeCastro on the roster. You'll have Dotson on the roster, mm-hmm. but. And Zach Banner. Yeah. I keep forgetting about Zach oh, yes. Banner because Love. he went down so early in the season, but I feel th- like, I just wonder what, what could have been if he never got hurt because he went down in that game against the yep. giants, like immediately. So yes, he did. He it's, and he's he's it's a road not, grader. He's a good yeah. good blocking tackle and, and mm-hmm. can throw people down. Everybody rooted for him when he was the extra tackle coming on the field anyway. Yeah. Steeler Nation knows Banner can throw a guy on their butt. I mean, that's <laughs> that's, that's why he got cheered every time he walked out as the uh as the tackle eligible. Yep. <laughs> great, great yeah. guy. And Matt Stafford, no way. No way. Matt Stafford is this generation's Vinny Testaverde. If you guys are younger, you don't know who Vinny Testaverde is. Wow. Look up his stats. Hell of, hell of a lot of stats on Vinny Testaverde. Guy just can't win games. And that's, I don't want anything. I don't want Matt Stafford at all. He's, he's a stat guy. It's like Rivers puts up a lot of stats too, but doesn't win in the playoffs as well. But right now we're not winning the playoffs. So I'll take anybody, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. Matt, has Matt Stafford been to the playoffs ever? Yes. He's been to the playoffs. I, let me look up here quickly just to see if he's, he's won any games, but what, what's your opinion on Matt Stafford while I'm looking this up? I'll be completely honest because the lions are typically pretty irrelevant. I don't yeah. pay much attention to them. I know what I hear about him and that it's that he, and anytime I've watched him play typically when it's just Thanksgiving, yeah. but he looks decent. Yeah. I've never been blown away by him, but I've also felt bad for him that he is on that franchise yeah. and not somewhere else, but I, I don't know. It's really hard to to judge a player, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah. But, 
the most important position on the field when you're playing for a team that is just so bad. Yeah. And, and they are 0 for 3 in the playoffs. Matt Stafford has never won a playoff. Okay. But he's been to the playoffs three times. So that's the that's at least the stats on Matt Stafford. Uh, do you okay. have Facebook up as well? Are you able to see if there's mm-hmm. any comments coming in through? Um, yeah. So we got um, my personal favorite. Janelle said to fire Fickner. So that resonates with me on the spiritual level. A lot of Deshaun yeah. Watson people are saying that they some people are saying they don't want Mike Tomlin to get fired which I don't think he should get fired uh I don't think he should get fired but I honestly think now we've got to think about getting a new offensive coordinator Mm -hmm. um because his play calling just we had a full complement of health we had a healthy roster lots of time to put this offense together and make it an offense that's formidable with Ben Roethlisberger this receiving crew Mm -hmm we became one dimensional and we forced ourselves to become one, one dimensional in this, in this quick pass attack. Um, I, I think that we possibly have our next offensive coordinator still on staff in uh, coach Canada, who who's a great offensive yeah. coordinator in college. He does. He's, he's the reason why we run a lot of this motion. Uh, mm-hmm. I love his motion offenses. And if we can get into that and get the running game to work with it, it's, it's really tough to beat really causes a mm-hmm. lot of confusion on defense yeah so, this, and then the second one too and I, I wouldn't have said this normally but now that Tomlin came out again and said he's been calling the plays for the past two years or it's why why do we even have Butler as a defensive coordinator he's essentially just the linebackers coach which he's phenomenal out he's a great mm-hmm. linebackers coach so maybe it's time to bring in somebody else on defense to help us out give us a, a just just to take away that ha- not having to have the, the, the coach handle all the play calling mm-hmm. we're, we're having worried about game management. I mean, yeah. we, we've supposedly got a guy specifically for game management and our game management hasn't improved this year. I mean, our, our, I mean, trash. there's three instances where we could have reviewed and possibly gotten the ball back. We didn't mm-hmm. even review it. We didn't even throw a flag on him. And I'm like, do we have anybody in the box? Because supposedly we hired somebody to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'd be that money happy. Going, I'd be, coach Tomlin Steelers I'd be more than happy to sit in the box because I see this stuff real time and I'm like throw the flag I mean I'm so is all Steeler Nation we're all professionals we all could take yeah that exactly yeah <laughs> it's just having somebody deliberately there watching the screen mm-hmm. to see if they can see something different oh maybe the ball moved mm-hmm. there maybe that's not yep. a catch maybe that is a catch or maybe mm-hmm. that is a touchdown so you know those that's the stuff that's really important it's so important and it's cost us games it it so so many and I just, it's infuriating when uh, you need luck to win football games and you need the officiating to be on your side to yeah. win football games sometimes. But if you're, if you're mismanaging the clock and play calling and yeah. challenges consistently week in and week out, then you're screwed yeah. because, and that keeps and happening with Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Well, it, uh, I, I don't think it's as consistently bad. I mean, there's moments when you do realize it is horrible, but just as challenges yeah. alone is a reason to have somebody in the box to, mm-hmm. to help the guy out a bit. But now Steeler nation, we're at a point where a lot of this roster is going to be free agents. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. we're pretty much at the end. And um, I have up just the Steelers, uh, free agents for next year and it's pretty dire like this was essentially 
our year, this is probably going to be the most, the most talented roster that we had was going to be this year because mm-hmm. everybody's a free agent uh, coming up yeah. next year for us. And let me update this here quickly, just so we can pop through. Um, yeah. Cause I had up the whole, the whole NFL. Now I just have us, but Bud Dupree, obviously being one of the top um, finds for outside linebacker, he's an incredible edge player. And, mm-hmm. and the only thing that might be bringing down his value is his injury right here at the end of the season. It's a, it's a knee injury. It's a significant knee injury. If he comes back, would he want to come back on a one-year show-me deal when he's already uh-huh. played essentially a, you know, ha- had his one-year contract with the franchise tag? I mean, you don't want to tag people twice. Look what happened Le'Veon Bell. That didn't work out well for us at all. And I, I, would, not. I wouldn't want to do that with Bud as well. But now the only the other big priority free agent, I mean, going into this year, we we're like Bud Dupree, Connor, Juju. Now it's like Bud Dupree, you know, Juju's not as high as a priority, mm-hmm. just as how well that the youth is doing behind him. Because you got Claypool locked up, you've got Washington locked up, you got DJ locked up. I mean, that's a that's mm-hmm. a starting receiving core that you don't yeah. even have to worry about. So it makes Juju in that instance a luxury. And I said this after the game on Twitter when we were on regular Steeler Nation. Some of you guys might have been over there with us, but here I'll say it again is if I am the GM of the Steelers. Juju is your most marketable um, player going into free agency. So if Mm -hmm. you do tag him, you possibly work out a tag and trade. And that is the, because he's the only one that's marketable enough for us to maybe get an extra first rounder for him. I don't think we're getting two. Mm -hmm. Like that just be crazy to get two for, for Juju, but he's a high character guy. He's a team guy. He works his ass off in both running and blocking and receiving. He does all mm-hmm. the dirty work as a big slot, but he also has the ability to play the edge. He, he'd be an, a starting edge player probably on a lot of teams, probably at the X receiver position that we usually have DJ at now. Uh, yeah. We like those guys coming in and out like Heinz Ward. Yeah. Heinz Ward played the X too. That's what Deontay Johnson plays now. And it's what um, uh, Antonio Brown also played the X for us as well. But like we're saying, Juju has the ability to play the X and to be that X receiver if needed. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a lot of value for a team that needs receiver help, needs a real strong-bodied, big receiver that's a great mm-hmm. locker room presence and a great community presence. I would hate to leave, leave lose him for all of those reasons. Yeah. But if you're going to get any draft picks from any of the people that are mm-hmm. leaving, he's the one that you get. And otherwise we get the third rounder possibly for him signing on another team to a huge yeah. contract and you get that third round comp the following year. Yeah. I, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens and what Jeez. their end goal is with All that. Right. But so I'm just going to go down. I'm going to start reading the players. You ready? You ready? Here we go. I'm going to start reading the players. Avery Williamson and Alejandro Villanueva, Matt Filer, Mike Hilton, Tyson Alualu. Zach Banner, Casias Marsh, Juju, Sean Davis, Jordan Berry, J. Ron Elliott, Chris Wormley, Jordan Dangerfield, Trey Edmonds, Danny Isadora, more slower guys, Cameron Sutton, James Connor, and Josh Dobbs. Those are all your unrestricted free agents. That's a lot. That's a whole that's, team. That's basically. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 20 players. Uh, restri- yeah, a restricted free agents. You have Ray Ray McLeod, uh, Gerald Hawkins. Uh, Ola Adeniai, 
Marcus Allen, oh, and that's it. Sorry, just those three. Ray Ray, Gerald Hawkins, Ola Denii. So Denii and Ray okay. Ray can be asked back at lower tenders. They'll probably be on the team next year. And then you have your exclusive rights guys, which is Robert Spillane and JC Hausenauer, which are both are locked into being Steelers next year. It's mm-hmm. what has happened to uh, Hilton the past two years. He's been an exclusive rights free agent. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been able to move. He hasn't been able to get more money, but he does deserve to get paid. And if there's anybody out of these people that I just talked about, it's it's a playmaker that you want to jump on and, and be part of the fun. So yeah, you got to keep your playmakers. Mm-hmm. He is a cheaper playmaker in that respect, but he's going to be cheaper at least than retaining Bud Dupree. Yeah, uh, which hurts a, a lot. So if, if you had a choice between um, Bud Dupree, or, or sorry, between Sutton and Hilton, because obviously both of our nickel corners are up. I thought mm. Sutton was going to move to edge. He didn't play edge. In the last game, we had an undrafted rookie and Pierre playing it the last game. He did a fine job. Um, but so you got two nickel corners. Team's only going to pay one nickel corner. Mm-hmm. You keep the coverage guy that can come in and play a lot of the packages as a safety like Sutton, or do you keep the guy that's an extra middle linebacker that can rush the passer and that can tackle in the hole? And that's your choice. Mm. So what would your choice be, Jordan? I personally, I think, would go – I would, I would prefer to go Mike Hilton. Yeah. Just because he, he's the kind of guy that has that. He has a stronger ability to create splash plays and not that Sutton is bad or incapable because he's a very reliable defender. And I, I would hate to lose him too, but if it came down to the two of them, I would much rather have the, um, the, the blitz, the rusher, the, the guy who can kind of work his way inside because what we were seeing on uh, Sunday, it already feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. That like Robert Spillane was dropping back into coverage on, on guys. And he just doesn't have it. You have to, I don't know. It, it wasn't working. And if, if we have somebody like Hilton who can kind of cover that section of the field and maybe work in, uh-oh. Sorry, I just lost my Twitter, my Twitter feed. Keep, you can keep no. talking. I got it. I'll put it back and, up. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Hilton, Hilton would be my choice. But we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. Nice. And I'm going to put this back up as I was checked because I had to check to see what was going on because we're our uh, guest is running late. Um, mm. Jim Thomas is, is currently with Jim Rome right now <laughs> for the next uh, right. uh, couple minutes. And then he's going to be joining us. So uh, I'm going to just re-live us up over here and get us back in the Steeler Nation SN podcast. Cool. Well, we got, a, we got a pretty solid question from Ashley over on Facebook that I think is worth talking about. Uh, and I have some thoughts, but I want, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. She said, how much of our mediocre playing has something to do with all these COVID issues of other teams? First, the Titans, then the Ravens. Yeah. Our guys kept getting hurt. Just an exhausting season overall. How do you think that impacted the outcome of the season? Well, if at all. For me, it was a lot of the 
you had the issues with not only having to deal with it each week, but not getting a full buy. There was no buy that ever came through mm -hmm. um, for the Steelers. So the first buy that they were supposed to have ended up becoming the game that they had to play because they were still preparing to play the Tennessee Titans all that week. Mm -hmm. And then we had Thanksgiving, which is like, okay, well, now we're going to get to the end of the season. We're all ramped up and ready to play the Ravens on Thanksgiving day. And yep. then all of a sudden they have an outbreak. Steelers were practicing that whole week, expecting to play that whole week. Didn't have playing until mm -hmm. Wednesday. So they didn't get days off and they, well, they got a couple days off, but they didn't get a buy like, or even a mini buy, like they would have mm -hmm. had it been Thanksgiving. And they're like, Oh, we just take three, four days off. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. But no, yeah. they had to keep practicing. Cause like, okay, we're going to have this game on Sunday. Okay. We're going to have this game on Monday. Okay. We're going to have this game on Tuesday. No, no, they don't want to Ravens are threatening not to play the game at all on Tuesday. So we got to have it on Wednesday. And they can't mm -hmm. have it on Wednesday night. We got to have it Wednesday afternoon. And we got to have it Wednesday afternoon they're lighting the tree at night. I mean, come oh on. Oh, my God. What that a was, mess. That aspect, that was probably my, the most 2020 moment for me as a Pittsburgh Steelers mm -hmm. fan was getting bumped from prime time because Rockefeller had to light the Christmas tree. That is the, on a Wednesday. On a Wednesday. Yep. Priorities. Jeez, <laughs> man. I just say, I mean, for, for a Steeler fan, I mean, this is just like something we have never seen in our lives. This is just the craziest season. Mm -hmm. So yes, that COVID is a huge factor and especially coming back through and getting ready for that last game because the NFL went back on their own policy and they forced that game to happen against the mm -hmm. Cleveland Browns the last week of the season because they didn't go two days without an outbreak. They didn't go, I mean, they, they were in an outbreak. They didn't go to, with two days without having a positive test. Right, 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 right. Which is what clears you for a game. They had one day mm -hmm. and then they're right on game day. Like, oh, we got another positive. It's like, oh, we're playing the game. That's <laughs> okay. Because yeah. now I heard a report that the Steelers closed down the facility yesterday because of, a, mm -hmm. because of COVID. So some people are starting to test positive and that puts us right at the nine day mark after that Cleveland Browns end of season game. So, you know, it is a factor. You can spread it playing games, especially when you still have these guys still sick. And then the next day, what is it? Six people are, were positive after yeah. that, all the coaches. And so it, it was not fair. The, the, whole, the whole COVID, the way COVID worked out wasn't fair to the Steelers. You can tell it kind of drained on them at the end of the year. as Because mm -hmm. we saw them playing very good football starting off in September, October. Even November, they were really starting to ramp. They looked they looked really good coming into the Ravens game. I was feeling very confident about them kicking the crap out of the Ravens prime time on Thanksgiving. And then the rug gets pulled out on the season. They, they this is like, they're trying to play catch up the whole rest of the year. Yeah. Because they had to play three games in 12 days. Whereas when you're normally playing three games in 12 days, when you have a Thursday night game, you always play three games in 12 days. It just happens mm -hmm. out mathematically. The problem was they didn't have 10 games after that 12 games to recover. Yeah. They had seven, seven days after that. Mm -hmm. So really coming back off, they didn't have extra time. Bodies couldn't recuperate. We started getting some injuries there down the stretch, but we were 100% healthy going into the playoffs. And that is the crazy thing for me too, Jordan, because we let Hayward, Watt, Ben, um, Marcus Pouncey. And were they the ones that we sat? Who's was there one more person that we sat? Oh, was the, it was, there was somebody else. Um, sorry, it was the kicker. Um, kicker oh, didn't Boswell. Boswell didn't play. Yeah, but 
out of those four main players that got a week off from that Cleveland game, they essentially took a week off. They took, they took the game off for the playoff game. They mm-hmm. bend four interceptions, pouncy first snap for a touchdown. Yeah. And, you know, T- TJ and Cameron were basically invisible were for most of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was a spot where TJ would have had a big sack. He got held from behind and they did throw the flag on it. Yeah. And he was getting manhandled and neck collar uh, blocked there for a lot of the time. But geez, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was playing his ass off at least to the point to try to make plays, but it still sucks that his production was so low for that game, as well as, you know, expecting to have a healthy to it and Hayward and going, mm-hmm. but a little bit of credit to the Browns for giving us a taste of our own medicine by saying, okay, we've already been sacked like nine times by you guys this season. We're just going to go what you guys do and go quick pass attack. And that's mm-hmm. what they did. They yep. went bootleg quick pass attack and they got the ball out on the edge. So he could throw the ball away if he was pressured or get the ball out of his hands in two and a half seconds. So that's mm-hmm. how you avoid getting those big sacks. Yep. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Wire Hustle brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, it'll help you get your show pushed out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stichter, and other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month. Same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Crazy. And we're starting to get ramped back up here on Twitter. Thank you for rejoining. Sorry for dropping down Twitter. I got to let you guys know I had to check my email. I had an email come in and it lets us know that Joe Thomas is running a little bit late because he's currently on with Jim Rome. So he will be with another bearded man here soon. <laughs> <laughs> and anything else going over there on, on uh, Facebook? Uh, more mentions of Juju drafting uh, power running back. Yeah. What are, your thoughts, what are your thoughts on addressing that position? I know that I mentioned that for me is a big question mark, but I'm not sure what the right response is there. Well, no matter what, if the Steelers lose James Conner next season, they have to draft a running back. I mean, it just, num- the way numbers work out, you have to get a running back in the room. Najee, people are saying Najee Harris is being an option. That is definitely an option. 
Um, I don't know if the Steelers really want to utilize first round capital on a running back this season. It is a good thing that running backs are kind of devalued now because they don't get the big money anymore. It's a passing league. And that's why we went to a passing attack this year. So you can pick up great running backs in the third and fourth rounds. I mean, I, I'm still not phoning in the how much um, McFarland's going to be able to contribute next year because we really don't know who he is yet. And he yeah. obviously, he was playing like a rookie. He was playing f- really fast. You can tell the game had not slowed down for him yet. Missing open holes, missing, you know, reads where you'd be able to usually see that if you're a comfortable NFL running back. And that's just going to come with a little bit more time and some more touches mm-hmm. and possibly being worked into a, uh, a Matt Canada offense would really help him out because he played, that was his best year at Maryland when he was playing for Matt Canada's offense. Mm. So yeah, that level of familiarity could be very helpful. Yeah. So for me, it, it's BPA though. I mean, if we're at that spot and Najee Harris is there and there really isn't a good option at, at a cornerback or there really isn't a good option at tackle, then yeah, you, you got to try to weigh it like that. Or some people mm-hmm. also think, and maybe we'll draft a quarterback if one of the quarterbacks fall because there's a lot of high rated quarterbacks in this draft, mm-hmm. potentially five first round rated quarterbacks. So yeah. those are the quarterbacks that do well in the league. If it's got the right body type that the Steelers covet cut Steelers love tall guys. They love big quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Mason Rudolph's a big quarterback. Ben's a big quarterback. Even uh, Dobbs has some size on him. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Dobbs is way more mobile I know that everybody's starting to talk about now too, the mobile quarterbacks really working into being a part of the league now and having the success over the pocket passers. But Ben had a lot of success this year as well. Mm -hmm. But I think that that running game would just drastically help him. And we've got a way, hey, is the the running game bad because we need an offensive line rebuild or is the running game bad because we need a blue chip running back? Mm. And I think because we don't have a blue chip running back, it's hard to pinpoint it because yeah. uh, watching McFarland, who's a rookie that isn't really well adjusted to the league yet. And then watching Benny Snell, who just runs into the backs of the offensive line every time yeah. he touches the ball. It's like, and I, yeah, our offensive line is not great. And I do yeah. think that needs to be addressed. However, if a guy like Harris is available, whenever we are on the clock, yeah. I just, I don't see how you could pass that up okay. because yeah. he, I just feel like he's so good Yeah, and you can build an offensive line around him. It's a, and keeping in mind that banner will be coming back. Like that makes a difference yeah. and having banner and Dotson and, hopefully letting Villanueva walk and Pounties may or may not retire. We have no idea. Like they'll, yeah, they'll be able to fill in those gaps, but I don't think there are as many gaps as it seems if everybody's healthy. Yeah. And I honestly think the Steelers are going to make um, banner an offer for next year to be this, one of the starting tackles. Um, I know that, Chooks at least had the ability to play both because he used to be the backup swing tackle on both left and right. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'd shudder to think if Chooks had to be the guy to lock down the blind side <laughs> as well. But, you know, it's not to say that he can't do the job, but to have Banner in there, I, I'd be excited to have Banner in there. I'm excited to have Dave DeCastro and Dotson run blocking. But yeah, it's, it's 
center and left tackle are really question marks going into next mm-hmm. season that have to be addressed either in free agency yeah. or the draft or both. Mm-hmm. Because I, there's a lot of the depth too. Like we ended up unfortunately losing out on, um, oh gosh, uh, Gray. Jeez, he was the he was one of the backup. Tackles. Oh, God, uh, yeah. Steelers had to drop him off of the roster, and he got gobbled up by I I can't remember Jacksonville. Jacksonville, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good call. So I loved him. I loved his skill set. So I, I oh. thought he was a, he was building. He was also part of that offense in Maryland with <laughs> Matt Canada and um, um, McFarland. So seeing a trend there. Yeah. Yeah, Derwin Gray. That's right. Now yep. I got his name. Boom, came it back. It popped into my head as as we were as soon as Jacksonville came up. For some reason, that was what triggered it. But yeah, yeah he was really good. Yeah, and he was a backup. He, it was, this would have been his third year coming up. We'd been building him up through the system mm-hmm. to possibly be a starter, and that's that's what happens sometimes. Is Steelers do build people up through the system and hopefully yeah. bring back in another good point over there is that somebody's asking, can we bring the third Watt in here? And I, I mean, that would just be a dream come true to have all three Watt brothers mm-hmm. playing together, but it, it would have to be under the pretext that, well, number one, Houston has to dump Watt. Like Watt just has to, JJ Watt has to demand to be cut because a trade is not really going to work financially uh, with his contract. And he'd have to take a pay cut to be able to play with his brothers, which I think mm-hmm. he would, he's at the end of his career he knows it's time for his brother to make the money. Now he's made the big bucks. I could see them both getting on the team. And then it just comes down to where do you play him? Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's, yeah, there was somebody brought up the Wisniewski issue too, because Wisniewski was the guy that we brought in specifically to be our backup center. If we had a problem with Pouncey, he was going to be our backup center. And then we got screwed with bringing him back, not too early from IR, but him getting hurt again and regressing. So we did him a favor by signing him for a day. So he didn't lose the whole season on IR because he was close to coming back. The Steelers were like, okay, maybe we can bring him back and hopefully we can bring him back. But they ended up doing him a favor. Cutting was Newski was Newski signed with Kansas city. And now is part of there and probably will end up playing there as well. But it, it, it would have been a lot more helpful to have him, work in with these guard issues to help us out with the center issues to ha- not have to have a Hassenhauer out there on the field as much as yeah. he on the field. It would have been a, a bigger, it would have been better for us to have Wisniewski in that, in that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, it, you know, like everything, we, we just complain about everything this season. It's just been the craziest, craziest year wild to be time. a Steeler fan. Mm-hmm. So at least we got to come to the point where we're going to ask a couple questions from Steeler nation here that aren't Joe Thomas related. If you guys have any more, um, uh, some guys asking for uh, Josh Dobbs to have more playing time. I was hoping, I was hoping he was going to be active because I liked that wrinkle of seeing Dobbs come in for short y- yardage, a la Taysom Hill down in New Orleans. And I thought that they honestly learned from it in that Cleveland game and would we're going to introduce it or have it come back for the playoffs. What do you think about Josh Dobbs as being that short yardage option? I love it in theory. Yeah. I don't necessarily trust the execution of it with Randy Finkner as the offensive coordinator because he has so little creativity that like you saw that on 
full display Sunday night whenever he finally utilized Derek Watt, finally, after yeah. not using him all season and then using him within a span of like five minutes on the exact same play yeah. in the same situation. He would try something with Josh Dobbs and have it work yeah. and then just keep trying to do that exact same play yeah. over and over and over again. And then they'd be like, ah, forget it. Let's not use Dobbs anymore because it's not yeah. working. And yeah. I, yeah. I would much rather, and honestly, I think looking back on the game, I'm glad that they didn't even dress Dobbs because mm. if, if something like that happened, then they would have probably just like cut him and well, he's a free agent anyway. So. Well, yeah, free agent. They would <laughs> let him walk. Yeah. Um, so I, I would like, they still have it in their minds that he has value because he does. Yeah. So if they can get a new offensive coordinator in there and actually effectively utilize Josh Dobbs, I would love to see that. But it, for as long as Randy Finkner is the offensive coordinator, don't even put him on the field because he's just going to squander the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And that you brought up my hidden play of the game, which was actually that utilizing Derek Watt and finally giving him a carry because that was his first carry of the year, which ended up being like a trick play because nobody's mm -hmm. ever seen it. We don't have film on it. We handed it to the fullback. Mm -hmm. And I love the play design too, because they lined up left uh, the extra tackle and Derek Watt were lined up on the left-hand side of the line. Extra tackle went into the motion to the other side. Derek Watt came into the backfield. And then Vance McDonald went into motion to kind of be like a scat back up blocker ahead right off the line of scrimmage. So they gave it to Derek. Derek got the first down. Great play. And the, the, mm -hmm. there was also a misdirection play with Snell running the outside, um, like the outside toss. So I'm like, great. They can bring that back, that play, run the toss the next time they do it because the toss was wide open. The toss was wide yep. open. And so they come back, they run that play. The next drive, they come down, lined up, same motion, same everything, handed it to Derek Watt. And that that toss would have gone for 20 yards. That toss would have gone for, and I was like, why would you set up that play and not utilize it the exact next time you do it? Because that's, how, that's how these plays work. You're trying to build mm -hmm. on a plays on top of other plays for success to happen insane yeah so, so frustrating <laughs> yeah so and it's it's just crazy on how the year has gone it's crazy on how everything is shaped up but we do have a couple questions here uh from steeler nation at steelernation.com and one slash steel was asking so what are the odds of getting a new head coach anytime soon depends on your definition of soon probably if <laughs> soon as uh this season very very unlikely uh True. and honestly i like i don't necessarily think that tomlin should get fired yeah. but i do think that there there needs to be some kind of pressure that's put on him now by the roomies because not only have we seen this basically carbon copy late season collapse yeah for the past not not including last year because it was such an anomaly with our injury situation with ben but the, the game against cleveland the other night was basically the game against jacksonville in 2018 and yeah. it and so i'm even thinking like i 
I talked to uh, yeah. a writer for The Athletic yesterday about the, the Penguins, actually, but we started talking about the Steelers, and he mentioned the game against the Ravens that yeah. kept getting pushed because of COVID and how the day of Stefan Tuitt tweeted something about how that was going to be a game where they could just pad the stats. Yeah. And that, so we don't have any problematic personalities in the locker room anymore. Yeah. I wouldn't say so. Everybody is pretty solid. There, there are some immature dudes in there, Yeah, but they're, they're just young. young. They're, they're young. young. Yeah. However, I never once ever heard anybody on the new England Patriots ever speak that way about an opponent nope. in any circumstance. Yep. And whenever Bill Belichick would do press conferences before games against the jets or the dolphins, you would think that he was talking about the defending super bowl champions because he, the, he would just lift them up and be so affirming of their ability. And yeah. There's, there's just some kind of attitude that's going on in that, in that locker room that, or in, in the, the facilities, I don't know. There's just something going on that is not conducive for winning. And I just, I don't, not in general, but when it, when it really counts okay. and, and right, well, right now, I the, don't know. The statistics agree with you because the last mm-hmm. three playoff games that we've had, We've let up 36 points to the Patriots. We've let up 45 points to Jacksonville at home. And we let Mm -hmm. up 48 points to Cleveland at home. Now, from the Tomlin perspective, I think he tries to take a laissez-faire approach in the locker room. He knows these people are adults. They should be in, in control of themselves and understand that they have to represent their city and their team in Pittsburgh. And there's there's no locker room disruption like we've mm-hmm. had before with Bell, with with Brown, but he does not actively feel that he's the person that needs to police the locker room. Mm. Generally, that falls on your team leaders. I mean, we used yeah. to have Joey Porter that used to police the locker room. We used to have mm. Jerome Bettis policing the locker room where that young crap didn't happen because those guys are like, shut the F up. And yeah you know, you expect Cam Hayward to take that type of approach being the defensive captain and team leader. Yeah. And Roethlisberger has to a, a large respect, but you know, he's been towing the company line this whole year. He's been taking responsibility for every error that's happened on the team, trying to diminish the effect that it has on the younger players um, to try to build them up a bit because that one time where he mentioned an issue with um, uh, Washington, where he said like, maybe you shouldn't have, you didn't have to dive for that ball. I mean, that's, not conducive to a young player trying to learn how to play in the league. Mm. And that's, that's true. I, I think uh, another portion of my frustration is because of all of the things that were said in press conferences and in the media availability where Ben was like, this is on me, this is on me. And Tomlin was saying, we suck. Okay. That's great. It's great that you're acknowledging that and that you're owning it. Yeah. But that isn't enough. You can't just come out here and say everything that you think we want to hear and be like, all right, we're good. We, we said it, we can move on. Like you have to actually address those issues yeah. and grow. Otherwise you're not going to win games. And that's what we found. Like 
They didn't really ever address any of the problems enough to fix them. So they all culminated and blew up on Sunday night. Every single issue that they had from the Baltimore game to Sunday, like to the game against the Browns a couple weeks ago, all on display. Like, ah. (laughs) And Cooley Man asks us, does Buffalo take it all now? What do you think? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I'm, I'm rooting for Buffalo to win it all because they have, this was, that was their first playoff win in decades Yeah, uh, over the weekend. And I'm, I'm always going to take the stance of if I can't watch the Steelers win it all, then I want the team with the least amount of success to win it all. And I don't want to cheer for the Browns. So I'm and I just I think the Bills have such a dedicated fan base and I love the the whole thing that they have going on over there and I think Josh Allen is a really really great young quarterback yeah and I yeah I think very Big Ben-esque young Big Ben-esque and I think they would just be the most fun team from the AFC to watch because as good as the the Chiefs were I almost said Patriots because that just is where my mind automatically goes. But the, as good as the Chiefs were on paper, mm-hmm. they they didn't look great in a lot of their games because they yeah. struggled against pretty terrible teams. And they found a way to win in the end, which is what matters. But it doesn't make for very exciting football, especially if you're not a fan of the franchise. So I'm, I think the Bills are way more electrifying than yeah. the Chiefs. And I, I hope they win it all. What do you think? I'm rooting for the Bills. The Bills are my team now. I actually was on the Bills podcast earlier uh, with the uh, Overdue Bills podcast, which is the favorite name for any nice. Bills fan podcast you could possibly name. And they were a great group of guys. They had me in. And unfortunately, I was a little bit more knowledgeable than them at the 90s Buffalo teams that made mm. four straight Super Bowls because I was a bit older than that crew. But we had a fun time and a great talk and they got great mm-hmm. fans and they love it's that whole area that cleveland you know that great lakes area cleveland Buff- buffalo steelers i mean it just breeds football fans and, mm-hmm. and rabid football fans because it's cold that time of year we want to stay inside and watch our team win and, and heat up mm-hmm. heat up our houses and warm our hearts when it is cold yep. outside but you know and it's crazy for cleveland now just they finally made the playoffs and they don't even mm-hmm. really have to travel being the road team. They go to Pittsburgh the first time. Now they're going to Buffalo. It's like they barely have to get in the plane or get in the car for it. Yeah. So, Easy yeah. drives. Yeah. yeah. But, but the one point I wanted to make too about Kansas city is Kansas city kind of plays football the way the Steelers were playing football this year. And the fact that they're not worried if they get down, they're like, Oh, we can make it up. We'll come back. Mm-hmm. And that's the way the Steelers were playing early, but now it's like, you know, eventually Kansas and that Kansas city did that all last playoffs. They were down by du- mm-hmm. double digits in every game when they still found a way to come back. So yeah, absolutely crazy with what's been working around with the, with the Kansas city edge. Mm-hmm. Hey, how's it going guys? <laughs> hey, hey. We, we have a special guest on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Mr. Joe Thomas from the Cleveland Browns fan of the show, friend of the show, 10 time. Pro Bowler, eight-time All-Pro. Love to have you back on the show. Now, are you wearing your celebratory jorts today? Uh, I do have them on. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't want to show you because they're really short, and I have not done my bikini wax. 
<laughs> well, Hunter had to have me ask you that because uh, that was such such a great moment that we had on the show the last time we had you on. And you've been making your rounds, man. You just got off Rome. You just got off everywhere. So we're really, really fortunate and happy you're able to spend some time again with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I know uh, the Browns have made my week very busy. I had a completely clear schedule this week. <laughs> I don't think anybody thought the Browns were going to win. And uh, all of a sudden it got really busy. But Thanks for having me on. I love the beard. Oh, uh, yeah. It keeps getting bigger. Last time you saw me, I was probably clean shaven. Yeah. But, uh, exactly. So you were on vacation last week, too. Where'd, where'd you and the family get off to? So we were actually down in the Florida Keys in Key Largo. I've got a buddy um, that we usually go and visit uh, at least yeah. once every year or so and do some fishing down there. And my kids are in school right now, but um, they had a week of virtual learning. So we decided, hey, let's go down there. Let's get some fun son dad's gonna do some fishing when the kids are logged on doing their schoolwork in the morning uh, and it was it was really special it was awesome oh that's great yeah that's where i did my checkout dives for a uh, snorkeling right there at key largo and just, nice and it's great because the snorkeling is 24 feet down so it's barely you know you really don't even need scuba gear but <laughs> what a beautiful place for all the fish and everything down there and uh but i at least have to know like you know we're not happy with the result being steelers fanatics but we are happy for you so what does this mean? What does this win mean for the city of Cleveland? Well, it's such a big win. And I think it goes back to what Juju said during the week about the Browns as the Browns. Like I, I, a lot of Steelers fans and players, they didn't really understand how much that hurt and how much that was offensive because yeah. that has been the one thing that this franchise has been battling for the last two decades, right? Yes. Hey, yes. They're, they're the Browns. They're going to blow it when it matters. Like, And that's the mentality that all these Browns fans have had for more than two decades, going all the way back to how Elway broke their heart in the AFC Championship. Oh, gosh, in the 80, 80, the fumble. 80, like, yeah. Yep. Browns fans have had so much heartbreak throughout the years where they thought they had the win, and yep. then the team let them down. And so – to finally be able to get over that hump and to get a victory in the playoffs in Heinz Field, which, yes. if I'm wrong, I think it's been 17 in a row that the Browns have <laughs> lost in Heinz Field. Like, yes. that was such a big hurdle for this franchise to get over mm. and to be able to do it when you had so much adversity going into this game and so many people had picked against this team with the coach being out, your yep. best offensive lineman being out, your best quarterbacks being out. Like all the cards were stacked against Browns fans. And I think it was so elating because we finally did it for once. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he did. And from a, a lineman perspective, I'd love to get your take because you had a lot of, you're already playing depleted across the offensive line. And then you had some injuries even occurring within game. So what did you see the coaches do to make sure that the people that were, they were putting on the field were doing we're putting in a position to be successful. Well, I, I think to try to do much the day of the game or even the week of the game and make big changes or coaching points is difficult because yeah. playing offensive line is unnatural. Like every other position on the field is something that you've been doing since you were a kid. Quarterback, you've been throwing a baseball since you were a kid. You've been throwing a football since you were little. If you're on defense, you've been tackling and wrestling your siblings your entire life since <laughs> you were four years old. I got four little kids. Yeah. My son, he's, ta he's four. He tackles everybody. Um, if you're a receiver, you've been catching stuff in every sport you play. And so those things are natural. Like it's easy to yeah. pick those things up. But as an offensive lineman, 
you're basically like kind of waddling backwards uh, <laughs> on a block grown humans over 300 pounds that are sprinting <laughs> at full speed forward. Yeah. So this, this type of stuff takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of reps to be good at these things that are so unnatural. And so I think really the credit should go to the coaching staff for the job that they've done putting in place a system and a mentality that started back in training camp when these guys first got together so yeah. that when you do have injuries and you do have guys go down, you can plug in different pieces into that puzzle and you're not going to lose all that much from the starter that wasn't able to play. Yeah. And now this is the first time the Browns have won a playoff game since 1994. And that was the old franchise before um, they moved to Baltimore, became the Ravens, and then had the expansion franchise come back at, come back in. And we're surprised to know that was Bill Belichick as the head coach. And Nick Saban was a defensive coordinator. This is also only the second time the Steelers have ever lost to a divisional opponent in the uh, playoffs, the last being, um, I think, 2014 against the Ravens. But what does this mean to the people in the Cleveland Browns organizations that, you, that you've been speaking with? Well, I think they've been preaching a message about we're not the same old Browns, right? No, not, not at the all. same team <laughs> that had high expectations even last year, right? Yeah. I mean, even yep. me, everybody was picking the Browns. They were like the sexy choice among, yep. among national media to have a great season, to go to the playoffs, win AFC North. And they were so disappointing. And so I, I think you're delivering a message and they had a really good season, but I think to really win that trust and of all the players of what they're saying is true. Like you guys can do this. If you do X, Y, and Z to be able to go out and show it in a playoff game, yeah. I think it was the true real test that they needed to see that payoff from what the coaches were telling them. Nice. And now Cleveland's had to go on the road in the playoffs, but fortunately for them, they haven't had to go far. They went, to Pittsburgh last week. Now they're going up to Buffalo. So what do you think Cleveland Browns need to do to keep their winning streak going up there in Buffalo? They're playing in Kansas city, uh, Buffalo. Played oh gosh, a- I was well, off. No, right. <laughs> I didn't go to Kansas city. Once my team was out, I was, I was done with football too. Uh, I've been uh, saying it wrong all day. <laughs> yeah, Kansas city, which is a tall task. Um, yeah. Obviously defending Super Bowl champs. Yeah, uh, Patrick Mahomes, like they, there's not many weaknesses on this team. And I think if the Browns want to win, they've got to win the turnover battle like they did against the Steelers because yeah. that's the number one most important thing when you're the underdog. And yeah. when you're going against Patrick Mahomes, you got to limit his possessions. And a two, I think they got to run the football, especially when they get in the red zone. The only weakness yeah. on the Chiefs defense is their red zone defense. And uh, that's really their only weakness on their whole team. So get into the red zone, chew up as much clock as you can kind of play small ball, limit Patrick Mahomes' possessions, get yeah. touchdowns when you get in the red zone. That's their formula. It's not going to be easy, but if they can do that, they got a chance. And you've got a big smile on your face. You, you definitely deserve all of this warmth and success that the, the Brown squad is doing. And I know we've got a couple questions here from Steeler Nation, and Jordan's going to be asking you a couple of these. What do we have here, Jordan? All right, Joe, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, so – we got one from SteelerNation.com forum. Somebody's asking about your take on what went wrong with the Steelers running game. And that was quite a lot. So I'm curious to hear what you have to say too. So I think the biggest problem with the Steelers running game is that they became an offense that was almost entirely dependent on short passes from Big Ben. Mm-hmm. And when you're a short passing offense, a lot of times that means you're going to pass a lot. 
And so in the NFL, what you emphasize is what you get typically as a coach. If you emphasize everything, you're not going to get anything. But mm. the Steelers emphasize the passing game, the short passing game. And when you do that, you kind of lose that physical mindset, that physical mentality. Mm-hmm. And you don't practice running the ball all that much during the week. And so when it shows up on Sundays and you need it, you're not going to have it because you just don't have the experience and the mentality of being a physical, hard-nosed team. And so I think for them next season, it's going to be important to emphasize the run game. You, you still want to be able to throw the ball because they got great receivers. If Big Ben comes back, he can still play really good quarterback for him. Yeah. But you can't do that at the um, detriment of your running game mm-hmm. in practice during the week. You got to be physical. You got to practice the rushing game. You got to have that mindset that can carry over onto a Sunday. And we have another yep. question from Steel Steel Dino. Go ahead, Jordan. All right. Are the Browns ready to move forward as perennial top t- as a perennial top tier NFL organization? And that remains to be seen. Obviously, as a Browns homer, I say heck yeah, but. I think the one thing that they do have in their favor now that they haven't had for a while is there's full alignment between ownership, front office with their general manager and their head coach. Those guys all think the same way. They're all on the same page. There's not a power struggle between them to try to get more control over the roster or the direction of the team. And I think when you finally have that, that harmony and that common vision, it gives you a chance to have sustained success. It remains to be seen if, they're going to be able to, you know, get through all the hurdles because there's always things that pop up every year for every NFL team. But just having those guys on the same page for the first time, I think that gives them a really good chance for the first time. And that's fantastic. Yeah. And every, everything's looking up for the Browns as well, because like we're saying over here on Twitter as well, there's a lot of props hats off to Stefanski, uh, Stefanski as well for doing an excellent job this year for the Browns. And it's, it's a different team. We played you for decades. We understand that the way, I mean, We've had some great matchups too, even when you were in there playing yourself, Joe. I mean, I'm not, not putting that, the selling our swords short, but it seems like there is a, a new identity, which is really starting to feel like the, 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 you know, the blue collar, hard nosed people of, of uh, Cleveland, that a team they can finally get behind and mm. playing great defense, big bruising, rushing attack and a great, uh, great plays by their quarterback. Absolutely. I think Kevin Stefanski is a guy, it doesn't matter who your team is, you can cheer for him because you respect the process and the mentality he brings, the even keelness. Um, and, and I think no matter what side of this rivalry you're on, the fact that the Browns are finally better, and I think it just makes this so much more fun because mm-hmm. for so long, like when I got to Cleveland in 2007, everyone's like, oh, you got to hate the Steelers, they're our biggest rival. But we were getting our ass kicked by them every time. It's hard to really have much of a rivalry when it's so yeah. one-sided. And really, yeah. Yeah. the rivalry was more between Pittsburgh and Baltimore because those yeah. were the two top teams in the AFC North. Yeah. So I think the fact that the Browns are kind of revitalized and back to being a good team where there's back and forth between them and the Steelers, I think that's good for the rivalry because it encourages more of that trash talking. It encourages the excitement. <laughs> that is what makes the rivalry, what makes the NFL football so very good. And that's when I grew up. That was the rivalry in the 80s. It was the Steelers and the Browns. And to lose that rivalry when they had to move was, was you know, it, it was different for a Steeler fan because we just grew up knowing Cleveland was the team we're going to be bashing our heads against uh, twice a year and being our big rival. But I'm glad you guys got a team back. I'm glad you guys have 
finally look like you're getting to the point where that this is officially it's officially a rivalry it's not it's not like it's, it's not a rivalry anymore because you just kick the crap out of us at home mm-hmm. on our own home turf in a playoff game you advanced we did not it's a rivalry so great to have you guys back as rivals and great to get your input on everything going on and the last thing i want to ask you is if you're able would you be able to do a quick promo for our show yeah absolutely what do you want me to say Great. It's just to say, like, this is Joe Thomas of the division rival Cleveland Browns, and you're listening to the SteelerNation.com podcast. Absolutely. Hey, this is Joe Thomas of the division rival Cleveland Browns, and you're listening to the SteelerNation.com podcast. This guy is a professional, ladies oh, how and gentlemen. How was that? <laughs> you are the first person I have ever had that hits it perfect on the first class. Yes. Well, absolute professional inflection and everything yeah so thank you so much joe for being a part of our show today yeah, we love you. having you on as always congratulations to you and the cleveland browns organization i'm actually going to be rooting for you guys against cleveland against kansas city because i Thanks. like to see the division advance in the playoffs that's usually how mm-hmm. i root i know it's tough too when a lot of people have all these hatreds and the rivalries but it, i live in the baltimore area as well so i do root for the ravens when they're out as well so as long as we can keep advancing, it would be nice to see them keep advancing. So good luck to you guys there. And everybody else, reach out, follow Joe Thomas on Twitter at Joe Thomas 73. That's at J O E T H O M A S 73. Cheers and best of luck to you there, Joe. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. And make sure you keep me up on Twitter. I love a good back and forth with uh, <laughs> other NFL teams fans. So thanks for having me on. I'd love to come back. <laughs> we'll do. We'll thanks, do. Joe. Thanks, Joe. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> yep. See you soon, man. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, we've just got a couple more questions here left from the uh, SteelerNation.com questions down at the bottom. I know Hoot had a couple for us. Um, Pouncy and Ben, will they ride off into the sunset? As in, is this the last year for Pouncy and Ben? As a tandem, yes. Marquise Pouncy, yes. Okay. Ben, no. I don't think this is okay. Ben's sunset. I think Pouncy, for whatever reason, is a little bit further down the road. And I think this is where he's going to call it quits. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that Ben's ready to chase that golden trail just yet. I, th- I think that he's going to stick it out for one more season. I agree 100%. Ask, uh, we got a nice Twitter, to- Twitter comment here. Why couldn't Joe Thomas have been on our team? I know it would have been great. We never drafted question. that high for a ta- left tackle. It would have been great to draft that high for a left tackle. Mm-hmm. We didn't get our guy from Wisconsin then, but we did a few years later when we ended up drafting TJ Watt out of Wisconsin. And we got mm-hmm. a good Wisconsin guy as well that may be projecting to be a Hall of Famer as Joe Thomas definitely does project to be a Hall of Famer as well. So last question, at least that I have on here from Hoot, uh, does Rooney need to force some changes? Not necessarily personnel changes, changes, but certainly those have to be on the table. This team just feels stagnant, a little passion behind the handful of guys. Best way to get the passion back. And I think we, we actually even alluded to this a little earlier mm-hmm. when we were talking about, yeah, probably offensive and defensive coordinator and also maybe having to just reset the identity of i remember last year going to the last year what did rooney say to the to the team you have to be able to stop the run mm. this year he and might they definitely be, improved they did they definitely improved against the run but this year might be you guys got to be able to run the football we'll see yeah uh, and i think one of the things that i really appreciate about the rooney family is their loyalty yeah. to 
their people. They really take good care of everyone in their organization. And I, I think that's a a very important thing to value, but I also think that knowing when to search outside of the organization for Mm. fresh faces and new hires is a, is a critical part of having a successful franchise. Mm -hmm. And they tend to hire from within and or you know promote Promote. from within yeah and i in some cases that is the right decision Mm -hmm. but in other cases not so much and i think having the wherewithal to know the difference of what what you should your distinction between the two choices i i just think they need some fresh blood and new voices and it's just it's important to shake things up every now and then because you as a player I would imagine get used to hearing the same things from the same guys over and over and over again and that doesn't mean that you grow to disrespect them yeah but it it's just human nature to have Mm. the same message pounded into your brain all the time eventually you tune it out and it just goes straight through and I think that especially when thinking about the offensive defensive coordinator situation, hiring outside of the organization specifically for the defensive coordinator. I think that's going to be huge. Um, And I would love, I, I know that everybody, every Steeler fan is like super high on Matt Canada running the offense. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I also Mm -hmm. wouldn't be upset if they brought in somebody else to come in and take that position and let Canada kind of continue to run the, the quarterback yeah. room. Like, and still be part I of the just, game plan and still be able to help out with his, his ideas. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's an I option just, too. I feel like they, they need to stop putting so much stock in guys just because they're a part of the organization and start looking at pedigree of guys outside of the organization. Like, Oh, you're already an offensive coordinator and you're successful. Great. Maybe we should interview you. Just a thought. <laughs> That's good. I, I 100% agree. And it was a good point too to ma- mention outside of the organization because I'm always thinking within the organization. I remember outside the organization, I always love Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator. That guy is productive mm-hmm. no matter where he goes. The only problem is he's a dick bag. So yeah, <laughs> people well, don't like that. the guy. And it's it's got, comes into being like a Todd Haley situation, except being on yeah. defense as opposed to being on offense. So yeah. you got to deal with that dynamic, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, they college everywhere, where, whatever, whatever they can do to find a way to, to turn this around the, the franchise right now, unfortunately, looks like it's going in a downward trend. Whereas you have Baltimore and Cleveland and Cincinnati and upward trends. And if mm-hmm. the Steelers don't find a way to turn it around quickly, we could be the punching bags of the division for yep. a decade, which would oh, be God. horrible. <laughs> that would be a nightmare. <sighs> horrible. Yeah. Jeez. But it, it it is it's unthinkable as a Steeler fan. We're used to winning. Uh but mm-hmm. it is possible. It's definitely possible. Yeah. It is. It's possible for anybody. But and, Pittsburgh does not need another Pirates. Like we we need yes. to just keep the Steelers where they are. Please God. Uh, <laughs> well we got the penguins coming up too so hopefully they can do some good right. stuff i know you're a big pens tomorrow, girl baby Woo. yep For, where, when's, who are they playing tomorrow and uh, where can flyers. we watch them playing the so flyers. they're playing the flyers at 5 30 it's going to awesome. be on nbc sports network um awesome cannot wait 
Let's go kick some tail. Is that the first game of the season then? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It's, they timed it perfectly. They knew exactly yep. when we were going to lose. <laughs> Our first game and the first game of the NHL. It's oh, cool. An opener all together. Oh, Can't wait. sweet. Sweet. So Steeler fans, we got Pittsburgh fans. We got something to watch tomorrow. Yep. Flyers, Penguins, 5, uh, 530 tomorrow on mm-hmm. NBC Sports. Thank you, Jordan, yep. for joining us and classing up the joint. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've been you've been awesome. So we really Thanks. appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's always a real treat. I enjoy it, especially to at least be able to commiserate. Yeah. Or is that? Yeah, that's a word, it's, right? This is like a therapy session. Yeah. This is like yeah, it's, it's, it's basically therapy. like free therapy. Yeah, I like it. I'll take it. Nice. So guys, reach out. Start following Jordan on Instagram, Twitter at Fidge Newton. That's at F-I-D-G-E-N-E-W-T-O-N. Cheers. Thank you so much. If you want to stick around, Thank you, you. Can, the, 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 the go Steelers with me at the end, but I'm going to read some boring stuff first and <laughs> visit our title sponsor, Total Sports Enterprises on Twitter to be a part of their signed merch giveaway done every week at Total Sports ENT or shop online at www.tseshop.com for all kind of signed Pittsburgh merchandise, not just the Steelers, but a ton of pens stuff as well. Thank you. you. Can, and come on over to SteelerNation.com gear page, get some great gear up on the apparel and gear tabs at SteelerNation.com. We have wonderful shirts. This one I got from my daughter for Christmas because it happens to say on the back, <laughs> number one dad and that's all i get i didn't get that one off the site but we got a lot of fun stuff this champions and the oh mama and come on over to steelernation.com for some great gear and check out the steelernation.com site for fast unique steelers content on the internet listen to one of our many interviews on the podcast button or click on the forum button for the best football discussion on the web subscribe to steelernation.com youtube channel be the first to know about our vidcasts and video uploads at www.youtube.com slash C slash Steeler Nation. Tweet us at Steeler Nation com. Instagram us at Steeler Nation. Instagram us at Steeler Nation com. Tweet us at Steeler Nation. Got it backwards that time. Follow the Steeler Nation podcast on Twitter at underscore SN podcast and Instagram at Steeler Nation podcast and follow your host Steeler Nation Striker on Twitter and Instagram at SN Striker spelled with a Y. Thank you for joining us on the SteelerNation.com podcast sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Striker, with Jordan DeFiggio rooting along with you as always. Go Go Steelers! Steelers!